Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere and a hello to you the weekend has begun it is time now for another edition of the fifth hour with ben maller and danny g radio for the vast power of iheart the global reach of podcasting and we thank you for finding and subscribing to this podcast you are in for a special treat not that the normal fare on the podcast sucks Second thing, Maller. But some shows stand out more than others, and I am relatively confident that today is one of those days. Someone who I wanted on the podcast for several years but lost track of this person. At least like my contact information for this gentleman had gone bad, uh, and that's a bad job by me, but I was able to track him down. His name is Ross Porter. Now, if you're in Southern California and you're of a certain age, you know that name. That's a great name, Ross Porter. 28 seasons as a radio broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He started in the 1970s, worked to the early 2000s, side-by-side with the great Vin Scully, called some amazing games. Ross has had all kinds of jobs, great jobs in his broadcasting career. We'll talk about all of that network television at NBC in the, in the 1970s. And that was in the era pretty much like Anchorman. If you saw the movie Anchorman, that was the era Ross was on television doing sports uh, on, on NBC in Los Angeles. Some very important people in television in that time. He's a member of the Southern California Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame and someone that helped me out a lot I've told the story a few times. I worked for the Dodgers, did Dodger talk 
the postgame show. But when I started on that, Ross Porter was my partner on Dodger Talk. He had been doing the show by himself, the seasoned, beloved Dodger broadcaster for so many years. And then I was this young punk kid that got put on the broadcast with Ross, and he could not have been kinder, could not have been nicer uh, as a uh, someone that that helped me out. And I do appreciate that a great deal. Didn't have to do that, but I'm glad that he did. So without further ado, we welcome in now a legendary figure in baseball play-by-play, did some NFL as well as we said. The great Ross Porter joins us now in the fifth hour with Ben Maller and Danny G. And Ross, welcome. Uh, and you've had so many of these amazing jobs. Is there a favorite time in your broadcasting career that stands out, Ross? Ben, uh, first of all, great to talk to you. Hadn't seen you in a long time. And, of course, you uh, uh, have a, a terrific career. Really proud of what you've done since uh, I last saw you. Um, I, I've been very, very fortunate, Ben, in, in everything I've done. I went on the radio back in Oklahoma when I was 14 years old. Um, and I just took it up there uh, from there. I went on to Oklahoma City after I went to the University of Oklahoma. I worked for the number one radio and TV station in Oklahoma City. Came here to L.A. in 1966 to Channel 4. Had 10 wonderful years over there. And then I went to the Dodgers for 28. So it's been wonderful. I've had uh, great uh, friends like you that uh, have supported me over the years. And uh, I've had a lot of terrific assignments and and, uh, very, very grateful. Well, I want to thank you, Russ, too, because I, I know I've mentioned this in the past, but when I started doing stuff, I was a young guy, not as young as you, but you had been doing Dodger talk by yourself for so many years. You were a staple of that, in addition to the, the great play-by-play, but after the game, you would do the post-game and you do the Dodger talk show. And then management threw me uh, into the, your show and uh, you could not have been kinder and nicer. And uh, I know it's been a long time since we worked together, Ross, but I do want to thank you for well, for helping me out a little bit. My, I was a young guy. I was not good. I was not polished, Ross, when I started out. And you you helped me. So I thank you. Well, you were you were always a good guy to work with. And, yeah, I had 14 years, Ben, doing Dodger Talk. And uh, then you came on, did a good job. And, uh, you know, it went from there. But it was, uh, it was a good show to do. And uh, it was really gave me the opportunity to talk to fans. And, uh, you know, you probably saw this, too, when you were on. A fan would call and stutter and say, uh, 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 I, I, I've never been on before now, and uh, I, I'm, I'm real nervous. And I said, hey, we're just two baseball fans talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So you started when you were 14. I want to ask you about that. When you Growing up in Oklahoma in that time, uh, how how were you able to get your foot in? You you started doing some games. Uh, I was reading on the internet about about your early days, Ross. You you started when you were, as you said, fourteen years old. But how did that work? When you're fourteen, it's pretty tough to get behind a microphone. So uh, how how did that transpire back in the day? Well, as it turned out, Ben, uh, I lived across the street from the local sportscaster in my hometown of Shawnee, Oklahoma. And uh, he knew of my interest. And at that time, if you can believe it, at that time, uh, Shawnee was the Class D farm club of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Hmm. And uh, he was also doing high school football, high school basketball. And so uh, in the summer, when I was 14, he said to me, hey, you want to come out to the ballpark with me tonight? He said, the booth? I said, yeah, great, terrific. So out we go. 
And one night, it wasn't the first night, but one night during a commercial, he said to me, how'd you like to do some play-by-play? Well, I about dropped my teeth. And <laughs> I, that, <laughs> that got me started. And then about, uh, I don't know, four months later, we went into high school football season, and the station manager called me one night at home on a Thursday evening. He said, are you going to the game tomorrow night, the high school football game? I said, yeah. He said, well, learn all you can because the other guy just resigned and he's leaving town. And next week, you got it all to yourself. And so <laughs> two, two weeks before my 15th birthday, I did my first full play-by-play. And then, of course, I took it and I was there several years and uh, went to the University of Oklahoma, worked on the student station. Then got a chance to go to the number one radio and TV stations in Oklahoma City, WKY. And uh, they hired me first as a radio newsman for 40 hours a week. But they also knew my interest in sports. And within six months, uh, I was on television doing sports on the uh, 10 o'clock news at night. And the OU football play-by-play show on Sunday, in which I recapped the previous uh, day's game. And uh, had a great six-plus years there and uh, had a chance to come to L.A. And uh, there I was, and I started off as the weekend uh, sports guy. And then uh, Rayford Johnson, uh, who was working the uh, 11 o'clock sports, uh, was uh, the guy who uh, helped take the gun away from Sirhan Sirhan. And he never came back to work after that because he and Bobby Kennedy were so close. So they moved me to the uh, Monday through Friday 11 o'clock show. And when I worked with Tom Brokaw for four years, and then after that, they moved me to the six o'clock show. And I worked with Tom Snyder for three years. Wow. So I had, I had 10 years there total until, uh, I got the Dodger job. Wow. And in, in those, when you get the call, uh, Ross, were you, were you looking to go to LA or did they contact you and say, Hey, we think you're good. We want you to, to come out here. How'd that work? Well, uh, one night, Ben and I, you know, uh, I'm a perfectionist yeah. and one night on my television sports show in Oklahoma city, they screwed up some way. They either put the wrong film on or the wrong score on or something wrong. Yeah. And I was really, I was really upset. So I got home. I said to my wife, you know, these people are so amateurish. Uh, they'll never get it right. And then she made a comment that she said she uh, later regretted. And she said, well, if you don't like it, find someplace else. So <laughs> the, next mo- the, the next morning, I was on the phone to a friend of mine who had been one of the top film news cameramen in the, in the country, in Oklahoma City. Mm. And he had, come, he had come to Channel 4, KNBC in Burbank. So I called him and I said, hey, uh, do you know if they're looking for a sports guy out there? And he said, hold on, I'll uh, call you back. So a couple of hours went by, he called me back. He said, yeah, they're looking for somebody for the weekend. So send me your tapes. So I sent him tapes. And within a few days, I got a call from them. They said, we like your tape and we'll fly to L.A. So out to L.A. I go. I go up to the main offices. The two bosses are there. And they said, we really like what you're doing. We're ready to sign you to a contract. Here's your contract. Wow. And I, I looked at the contract and then, you know, when you go from Oklahoma city to LA, you expect since you're a major, major market that you're going to have a big jump in salary, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked down and my salary wasn't that much more in Oklahoma city. So I turned to the two guys and said, uh, excuse me, um, can I expect to make more money than this? And one guy looked at me and said, 
if you don't, you won't be here long. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I got to ask you, Russ, working in TV back before cable and the internet and all that, and I, you know, to reference this in, in that era, Tom Brokaw, of course, and, and Tom Snyder, two legends uh, in television, and you're working with these guys. Did you know right away that uh, you know Tom Brokaw was going to end up hosting the nightly news for you know a long time, or, or go somewhere? Tom, I mean, did you have a vibe when you're working? That was a power-packed cast of anchors. Yeah, at NBC. Well, I did. I yeah. did. It was very obvious he had a great deal of talent, and the same thing was true of Tom Snyder. Yeah, and one and one of them moved to New York, I think, a year ahead of the other, but they went on to have fantastic uh, careers and. Uh, uh, and it was wonderful the way it worked out. And then, and then the Dodgers opportunity popped up for me and I, I left, uh, I left KNBC in 1976 and, and started with the Dodgers in 77. So the Dodger job, let me ask you that. Cause I, I, you know, you, you, when I was a kid, you were stapled doing the Dodger games, but how did that come about? I mean, cause, cause obviously Vince Scully, your friend, uh, been calling the games since they were in Brooklyn, they had established, uh, the, you know, the broadcast team. And, and how did you, uh, end up getting that dream job with the Dodgers? Well, um, what was happening was that Ben had made a deal to go to CBS and, uh, one day I was out at the weekly sportscasters luncheon, which I'm sure you attended too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Fred Claire was there, the vice president of the Dodgers. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, well, I'm sorry for that. I'm doing an interview over here with Terry Donahue and I don't have time today. Well, I said, okay, I'll catch up with you. So not long thereafter, they announced that Walter also was uh, retiring and Tommy was going to take his place. So I went to the news conference and, uh, at the end of the news conference, after we had filmed it, uh, I said, well, I don't know. Do I take the film back to Burbank or do I just, uh, go over here and have a sandwich? <laughs> so I said, well, I'll, I'll get a bite to eat. I'm a little hungry. So I come out of the food line and there's, a, there's Fred and he's got a seat next to him. He said, sit down. He said, here's what I wanted to tell you. Vid is going to go to the network and we're going to need a third guy. And I just wanted to ask you if you had anybody you wanted to recommend. <laughs> I took one second. I said, yeah, me. <laughs> He, he later told my wife, he said, I set him up perfectly because he was my choice all the way. <laughs> so that's on, a, that's on a Wednesday afternoon, final week of the season. Uh, they don't play on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we had to, he said, I need a tape. I said, Fred, I haven't done a baseball game in 20 years since I was at OU. Well, we've got to have a tape at audition because we've got 200 people that applied for this job. Wow. Okay. So we work it out that we're going to do a clandestine uh, appearance. Friday, I do the six o'clock sports at Channel 4 in Burbank. I drove over to Dodger Stadium. They set me up in the, in the press box in a darkened booth in the back. Mm-hmm. I took my own tape recorder, and I went in. And what was happening, Ben, was the Dodgers and the Potteries were playing, but they were both out of that race. So it was really Albuquerque versus Hawaii. <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't know, you didn't know anybody. Sure. So my idea was, you know, I'll warm up. I'll do maybe a half an inning and then I'll rewind the tape and start again and go for, go for Burry broke. Well, I did that and I listened to the tape and I said, you know what? That's pretty representative of what I can do. I might be better. I might be worse. Let's go with this. Mm-hmm. The other part of it was that I had to leave that night on a midnight flight to go to Buffalo to do an NFL game for NBC. 
So I gave the tape to another guy who gave it to so-and-so who gave it to Fred. I took off. And Fred said, you know, call me Monday morning when you get back. Said, okay. So I come back in on Monday, and I call him in the morning. He said, we really like your tape, but it's down to you and one other guy. And we're going to take the two tapes and send them out to Ben's home and let him listen to them. Oh, boy. I said, oh, okay. He said, I'll get back to you. So four or five hours go by. Call me back. He said, Ben likes your tape the best because he thinks you are more like he and Jerry on the air. Mm -hmm. And by 10 o'clock that night, I had a, I had a deal with the Dodgers. And that's how I have that. On Wednesday, I wasn't thinking, Ben, about leaving Channel 4. And on Monday night, I had a new team, new team to work with. Well, that's amazing. I did not, I did not realize it went down like that. And when you were, when you started with the Dodgers, you'd been doing, you mentioned you were doing NFL games. We'll get to that in a minute, Ross, but when you were doing the Dodgers early on, did it just come back to you? You said you hadn't done a game regularly in 20 years when, since you were in Oklahoma. So when you started out early on with the Dodgers, was it, was there a learning curve or did you get it right away? No, I, you know, I was very confident in my play by play. Uh, what I did not have, and it hurt me uh, early, I did not have the anecdotes about Major League Baseball players and what they had done and so on, like Ben did. Ben was the master of it, as we all know. Sure. So my feeling was I'm very statistic-oriented, and what I can do that's a little bit different is, is lean on the numbers. I probably, and I don't say probably, I know I leaned on them too much the first year. And uh, I got a lot of criticism for that. A lot of it was unfounded. I mean, they, they say, well, you know, Porter, he, he told us what Garvey was eating for lunch on Tuesday morning <laughs> and what his batting average was that night. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned as I went along to not do that as much. And the criticism abated. And uh, I had a wonderful 28 years and to, to work with the greatest baseball announcer ever. Uh, was unbelievably uh, fortunate, and I I say this I say this all the time to people, Ben, and I'll say it to you. I was with Ben for 28 years. I saw him in every situation that could be troubling to him. Fans stopping him for autographs. Fans wanting a picture with him. Fans wanting to tell him about how they went to Ebbets Field. And of course, they you should remember Ben this game that the Dodgers and the Boston Braves. In uh, 1954, and the point is this: in 28 years with him, I never ever saw him rude to one person. And he he sometimes be stopped that he was two minutes away from going on the air. And uh, to me, that tells the whole character. We know what talent he has on the air, but that tells you what he is as a gentleman. Yeah, a smooth operator. And I remember when I, I briefly was was with the Dodgers on the road there, they, they got, the team would come into New York for years, and there would be the a group of old Brooklyn Dodger fans outside the hotel, Ross, that would be waiting uh, for the team. It's pretty pretty wild. I don't think that happens uh, these days anymore. It's been so long. But uh, you mentioned the stats. I got to bring this up. You were actually an innovator, Ross. When you, when you watch baseball these days, the Ross Porter influence – is on every broadcast. I feel like you were ahead of your time with the stats, and but you you had to do it though a different way because there was no internet when you started doing the Dodger games, and and really it's only been the last I feel like the last fifteen years that everything's kind of come to come to light with the internet and all the stats and teams front offices being taken over by stats. But 
How much time do you think you spent? I remember watching you in the press box go to the sports ticker in the middle because that's how we got a lot of the information, and you would be taking copy off the sports ticker, and you'd be taking your pen out and doing the math on a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, how did that all – you mentioned it started because you found your niche, but how much time did you spend, Ross, while you're doing the games around the games to come up with those numbers? Well, uh, I would spend some time, especially on the road, uh, Ben, when you're in a hotel room and you got a lot of time to catch the bus before the game, uh, you have time. At home, I didn't have that much time, but I had enough. But you're right. There's no internet. There was no other source. And what I did early on, and I dropped it after about a year, I decided I would do something I'd never heard of before. And that was I would keep a little blue book. And on the blue book, I would say, uh, let's see here, uh, Steve Garvey against uh, uh, Tom Browning. And when they would go head to head, uh, Garvey would go one for four with a double. And I would put that in my book. And I did that on every game and with every batter pitcher. And I used that. And again, maybe I used it too much, but it was it was certainly something that was new among broadcasts. And I thank you for saying that because I've asked very, very often if I feel vindicated by the statistics that I used early. And I've got to say, I don't know that I was vindicated, but I'm, I was very happy. And, you know, Ben, I was a numbers guy. So that was that was easy for me. Yeah, and when you watch baseball now, most of the teams, Dodgers included in this, but you you watch games, the analytics, the term they use, Ross, analytics. Uh, they've got a, a stat for everything. Uh, what do you think of the changes of baseball, though, Ross? Uh, we've seen some crazy things the last couple of years because of the pandemic. We saw the, the ghost runner in baseball. They're talking about, I guess, they're going to get rid of the shift in baseball. Are these good things, Ross? Uh, where, where do you stand on some of these changes coming to baseball in the next couple of years? Yeah, it's changed a lot. And I th- you know, just like I do, that uh, I think that you don't see many uh, sacrifice hits anymore. Uh, the, the three-run homer, which was Earl Weaver's theory in American League, has taken over a lot. Uh, and I think, you know, small ball, I think, is not what it used to be. Um, and I just always like the National League style of play. And... Uh, I, I thought that it was a, a very good, uh, good way to watch baseball and let let the pitchers bat and and, uh, and let it go. But you know the game has come a long way and changes. There's some of them right now I don't like at all, and I'm sure you agree with me. But uh, that's the way it is, and uh, so you know keep going. Yeah, it, it always is changing. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. In your 28 years calling the Dodgers, uh, who, is, who is the player that you thought was the best Dodger in your time behind the microphone? Is there one... One guy that stands out in particular. Boy, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. I've been asked that before, and it's hard for me to put my finger on one guy. I uh, see. I didn't. I didn't see Sandy Koufax pitch in person, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I was not there when Drysdale was pitching. So those two Dodgers were, you know, up there as far as popularity and success, and in the Hall of Fame. Dodd Sutton was a very good pitcher and a guy that was, I thought, underrated mm-hmm. uh, for what he did. He's the winningest pitcher in, in uh, L.A. or Brooklyn Dodger history. Uh, I did say this, though, and I've said this before. The best hitter that I ever thought I saw was Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Gwynn won eight National League batting championships. And uh, I, he was the probably the best hitter. But I have to say this, too, Ben. We didn't do interleague baseball, so I never saw George Brett. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, you it, it, it's that guessing game that hey, how do you compare a guy from 1952 with a guy from 1998? Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. Now, as far as one one period, I want to ask you about Ross with the Dodgers is Fernando Mania. When that when that came around. And the Dodgers are still benefiting from that, Ross. All these years later, there's generations of fans that became Dodger fans because of uh, Fernando. What, what was it like? You're calling those games in that period of time, and the whole town rallies around Fernando Valenzuela. What was yeah? What was that like? It was an it was an exciting time, and uh, he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. I think the first year, if I remember, he had like eight shutouts and. Uh, uh, he was just fantastic. And of course the fans, uh, began to come out and, uh, very interesting statistic about that. Uh, my good friend and, uh, hall of fame announcer, Jaime Noreen is in his, uh, 64th and final year as the Dodgers Spanish network announcer. Uh, he came up with this and told me this some time ago, uh, when Fernando came to the Dodgers at the start, early 1980. Uh, the the Latino population at Dodger Stadium was like six or eight percent, and today it's like forty six percent. Sure, that's staggering. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's nuts. I go out there sometimes, Ross, and I'm. A, it's and I, I think that's a lot of that is Fernando uh, that that he started that wave and uh, that 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 is a an amazing part of his legacy. 
with the Dodgers. Now, you, you mentioned earlier Sandy Kovacs. I, I read, and I don't know if this is true, you did TV games, like high school games with Sandy Kovacs? Is that Yeah. Accurate? What was that yeah. like? What happened there? Well, I was at Channel 4, and somebody, not me, came up with an idea. And the idea was, hey, you know, we don't do anything for high school athletes. We should do, let's say, high school basketball. So it got over to the program director's desk, and he said, yeah, why not? Uh, we'll try it. So they started doing the high school games uh, every Saturday at noon. And uh, so they came to me and said, uh, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do the play-by-play. We've got to find a, fuller, a color announcer for you. So they talked about it, and some other guy, not me, said, hey, you know, NBC's got a deal with Sandy Koufax. And uh, he's not happy with his deal. They're not happy with him. They're not using him. He's just sitting around. He lives here in L.A. And remember, he was an outstanding high school basketball player in Brooklyn. In fact, he went to the University of Cincinnati on a basketball scholarship. Why don't we try to get Sandy? Well, they called him and he said, yeah, I'll do it. So Sandy and I had one year together doing it. One day, Ben, we had a five-overtime game between Beverly Hills and Aviation. <laughs> Beverly Hills won the game 92-91 to 91 with Rick Caesar, who was Sid Caesar's son, scoring 40 points wow. for Beverly Hills. Oh. And that was the big game we had. And, of course, the, the toughest thing was to get from the uh, scorer's table after the broadcast to your car. Because everybody was going to stop Colfax and try, <laughs> try to get it, I, I try to get an autograph. Yeah. I, I love that you still remember not only who played in the game, Ross, but who had the big game, and, and that is uh, that is tremendous. Now, speaking of long games, uh, I I remember the story, and you told me this when we worked together, and I believe it is still the record, right? You were at the mic for a Dodger game in Montreal against the old Expos there. And the game kept going and going and going and going. And because of an odd series of events, you were working solo. You, you, I believe you still hold the record at longest uh, stretch. I think, I, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, that was one of those three city Eastern trips for the Dodgers and then went to New York and Philadelphia, but he came home and didn't go to Montreal. Well, Don and I uh, went the whole route. And we got to Montreal, and Don and I worked. So it's radio only. The reason Ben didn't go to Montreal, mm. there was no television games. Okay. So Don, Don and I did the first game. We did the second game. And at the end of the second game, he got a call. And, and his wife, Annie, was in labor in L.A. Mm. And he said, I got to get home. So see you at home day after tomorrow. Bye. And so <laughs> my wife, my wife was on the trip. So we go in the press box at Olympic Stadium, and over on the left, to my left of the booth, uh, is the uh, Montreal French-speaking announcers. To my right uh, were Jaime, and uh, I think uh, Rene Cardenas. They were the Spanish-speaking Dodger announcers. I was the only English uh, network there in the middle. And somebody said to me, what would have happened if you'd gotten sick? And I said, well, Lynn would have had her first debut as a major league event. <laughs> <laughs> Just pass so the, the mic. Pass the mic to the wife. Put her... <laughs> yes, that's right. That's so the game, the game starts, and it's nothing, nothing for six and seven innings. Lynn writes me a note and says, can I get you a Coke? 
I wrote her back. I said, no, I wouldn't have time to go to the bathroom and get back. (laughs) (laughs) So so it remains nothing, nothing. We go to the 16th inning. Montreal loads the bases, one out, and there's a fly ball to right, looks deep enough to score the winning run, catch is made, the guy tags or tried to tag, came home, and they're all celebrating. Montreal's won the game. But somebody at the Dodger bench or more said, hey, hey, he left third base early. So the Dodgers threw the ball down to third base, and the umpire, Bob Evans, said, yeah, he left early, he's out. The inning continues, and the game, we'll go to the 17th inning. So they went six more innings after that, and in the 22nd inning, still nothing, nothing, Rick Dempsey, who was backing up Mike Socia that night, had played the last few innings, and he came to the plate to face Dennis Martinez, for whom he was the battery mate in Baltimore for all those great years that uh, Martinez had. And Dempsey at that time, it was August the 23rd of 1989, he'd had one home run all year. And Martinez threw a pitch, and Rick hit a low-line drive that cleared the left field fence down, I think, by one foot. <laughs> and it made it one nothing. Rick Sedler was playing for... Montreal, he got on base with two out, and Huddler decided he tried to steal second base. And Dempsey threw him out. And the game was over. The Dodgers won it. One nothing, six hours and fourteen minutes. Wow. Twenty two and 20, uh, twenty-two innings, right? Is that twenty-two the, innings? Yeah. And yes, it is it is still the major league record. And that is one of those records when you think about where baseball's at right now. I know they're gonna get rid of this, but they have the ghost runner, Ross. In extra yeah. innings now, did and you yeah. you what do you, what do you think of the ghost runner? <laughs> Considering no. you had a twenty two inning game, yeah, it, right. It's not uh, I, not good. And there's one other story that uh, you might find interesting. Uh, game one of the nineteen eighty eight World Series, uh, Oakland comes into Dodger Stadium to begin it, and that night my assignment was to do the post game show. And uh, Oakland's leading at uh, 4-3, going to the ninth. And so I leave the booth upstairs of the ninth inning to get downstairs to try to get my guest. And uh, Kurt Gibson was not playing. And I got down to the dressing room, and there he was sitting on the table, looking at the television set. Uh, I didn't have any shirt on, had his uh, baseball pants on, and that was all. And about that time, uh, Vin said to Joe Garagiola of the telecast, hey, Joe, I'll tell you one guy won't be playing tonight, and that's Kirk Gibson because he can't walk. <laughs> and, and Gibson heard that, and he yelled, Mitch. Mitch Poole was a clubhouse attendant. Sure. So Mitch came in, and he said, go down and tell the sort of that I can hit. So he goes down. He's gone a couple of minutes. He comes back. He said, Tommy says to tell you to get dressed. And be ready to go, but whatever you do, don't show yourself because he doesn't want Tony Larusa to know you're available. So Gibby gets dressed, puts a little whiffle ball on the on the tee out there, and hits about eight or ten balls into the net upstairs, mm-hmm. uh, right above the tunnel. And somebody leans around in the corner and says, "Okay, Gibby, you come out." So I follow Gibson down the tunnel to the field, and he took a step up on that field, and you remember Ben. The crowd just went absolutely bonkers. Yes, yes. M- meanwhile, I'm looking out over the right field bullpen, and all you can see are red brake lights of cars leaving the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> before the before the game that night, 
we had an advanced scout named Mel DDA, wonderful guy from Louisiana. And he had been scouting the DAs every game for two or three weeks. So before they got started in game one, he called the hitters in. And among the things he said was, let me tell, let me tell you, boys, for one thing's for sure, if Eckersley comes in and the count goes three and two, you can bet your house that he's going to throw you a backdoor slide. So Gibson goes up, you know, the count went to three and two, Gibby stepped out, said he thought about what Mel said, stepped back in, took a one-handed swing and a backdoor slider and uh, made history. Wow. That's great. And you were right there. You were in the, in the, uh, the dugout tunnel area. You were, you were down experiencing all that's crazy. It's wild. Uh, yeah. Ross. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season and you can pre-register now for the Fox sports radio bracket challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today. So you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th, once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. I also want to talk about the, your days in the calling NFL. I remember we were in Milwaukee and we were walking through County stadium and you were telling me that you had called NFL games like Packer games in County stadium. But how many, how many years did you do the NFL? And what was that experience like for you? That was back in the seventies, right? The 1970s. Yeah, I, I did the NFL for NBC from 1970 to 1976. And then when I went to the Dodgers, I couldn't do anything else for NBC because the, the, the seasons conflicted. I couldn't let the Dodgers baseball season uh, down and, and go to football games. So I had, to, I had to bow out. But I had seven great years. Uh, my partner was Willie Davis, uh, all of favor for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, we, we had some, uh, some very interesting games, and that was a lot of fun. But that was one of the benefits, Ben, of working for NBC in L.A., and when they knew that I wanted to do play-by-play, and they finally gave me a chance to be one of the, I guess, seven announcers. A lot of them 
I did regionals is what it came out to. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up doing a lot of Oakland Raiders, Denver Broncos, and San Diego Charger games. Uh, but but uh, we would also go to other parts of the country. And one night, uh, uh, Willie and I did a game, I think, in Buffalo. And we were on the way home to L.A. because he lived in L.A. too. And we get almost to Dallas, and the pilot comes on. The game is over. It's Sunday night. The pilot comes on and says, folks, uh, got a little problem up here. The uh, the light here on the board uh, shows that we're not sure that our landing gear is ready. So we're going to circle the airport and come back, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, boy. So all of a sudden, out come the, the stewardesses, and they said, they're looking for the four biggest guys on the airplane because they want them to be on the front row in case we crash land. They'll go up and throw the door open so everybody can get out the emergency exit. So, <laughs> oh boy. so here we go. We circle back around. The guy said, uh, yeah, apparently, uh, apparently they don't uh, see this, but uh, we're going to go in anyway. So we look down and here are all the fire trucks on, <laughs> on the runway oh, man. preparing for, for our arrival. So, so uh, we're coming around to go back down again. And one of the stewards then went absolutely crazy. She started screaming and yelling. <laughs> and they they had to get her off get her out of there i don't know put her in the bathroom or somewhere to shut her up <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> and, and and we landed and it was okay but uh that was just one of the experiences wow was yeah. that was that the craziest you you must have spent so many years of your life on a plane ross with all these oh well, yeah games. Uh, and you and you know what they said? Everybody put their uh, their 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 head between their legs. <laughs> <laughs> like that's gonna that's gonna help. Wow, that's, that's yeah. wow. What was the great? Do you is there one NFL game you mentioned that we we talked about the 1989 Dodger game? It went 22 innings in Montreal. But was there an NFL game that that stands out from those years that you recall? It was like the craziest NFL game that you were behind the mic. You, you know, I, I really can't remember one like that. Did you yeah. talk about someone? Uh, a last minute field goal or something to win a game. Sure. I can't, I can't remember anything like that, but uh, uh, I, I got you. I got you. Well, what about the, just in general, when baseball was the king and I love baseball still, but the NFL right now, Ross is uh, far and away the top most popular sport, at least here in America. And it wasn't that way, right? In the seventies, the NFL was not the king that it is these days. What, what, what point do you think that took over? Well, you're absolutely right about that. And here's how old I am then. Mm-hmm. I I covered Super Bowl one. Wow. Crazy. At the Coliseum, Green Bay, Kansas City. And I was the weekend sports anchor and I'd been on the job about three months. And uh, I went down to cover it. The, the story, the history was this. They couldn't get together on, on what to do because it was the it was the uh the AFL, which had just started, and, and of course the NFL was a big one. And uh, they they said, well, we ought to have a game. You know, let's play each other and, and get this started. So uh, they said, what are we going to name it? Well, they couldn't come up with a name. And then Lamar Hunt, who was the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, said, you know, um, I got my kid a, a, a ball the other day. It's called the Super Bowl. And why, why don't we just call it the Super Bowl? And, and Pete Rosell was the commissioner, and he said, well, I, I don't like that too much, Lamar. Well, they went around the table, and the people said, well, you know, that's not bad. 
And so that's how the Super Bowl was named. And you remember the third game, Joe Namath pulled off a giant upset when the Jets beat the Colts. And and that, that got us started. But I, I really think that it really took off uh, uh, much later than that. I would I would say in, you know into the into the seventies at least. Uh, yeah, that first game was the January sixty seven. Wow! And so the the first Super Bowl was not a big deal, right? Right? I mean, people were just like, "Well, okay, that's fine." Well, here here's how a big deal it was. Uh, the The main ticket, the best ticket you could buy, was twelve dollars. <laughs> the 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 most popular ticket was six dollars. <laughs> they had 62,000 at the Coliseum. So they had a lot of empty seats. Yeah. And it's the only, it's the only Super Bowl then that two networks covered. CBS did it. ABC did it. Yeah. And, uh, there was an interesting story about that too. They, uh, they went to halftime and, uh, during the halftime, uh, one of the networks featured a, an interview with some politician or dignitary or whatever. And, uh, they start the second half and they kick it off. And one of the networks is still with the interview. So the guy takes the kickoff, brings it back. They tackle him down. He goes, they say, wait a minute. We can't have that. Let's redo that. So they got the guy, the politician off the air. And they redid the second half kickoff <laughs> of, the, of the Super Bowl. The huh? do-over, a little, little do-over situation. That's yeah. That's what, what? What if the guy had re- returned the first one for a touchdown? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's wild. And I, I did want to promote Russ. Now, if people are enjoying this, I'm loving the conversation. But you have you're all over the internet, Ross. You're, you're you've got your own YouTube channel. Ross Porter sports. You've got some great interviews on there. Uh, I, I saw you had an interview with Vin and uh, I was, I was, I was bouncing around. Look at some of the other stuff you've got. You've got some old highlights from the past on there. So people can check that out on YouTube. It's called Ross Porter sports. Is that correct? Ross, am I getting it right? That's here? absolutely correct. In yeah. fact, you don't even have to put YouTube. Just put Ross Porter sports. It'll go there and then you'll have two choices. The YouTube version uh, that you may have seen that has the most of the interviews. Okay. And and if you just go Ross Porter Sports, you will get all of the bantering that goes on between the people that we call members. And it's really interesting. I knew nothing about um, doing things like this. And I was talked into to starting it a year, year and a half ago. And I didn't realize that people themselves can contribute to a website and I wake up in the morning and my guy, somebody's put on a, a picture of something that happened 40 years ago. Or somebody else has a video they put on there. Um, I just was never aware that they could, uh, you know, help you out with your website, but I've had great success. I probably have 25 interviews now uh, of people, all of whom you've heard and, uh, nice. I know about, and, uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's kept me busy. And, and uh, uh, yeah. I started off, I thought, well, this won't be too popular, but I'll, I'll start it. And, uh, it's turned into where I have a couple thousand people. Nice. That's great. And you, the one thing I love about you, Ross, is you, you've, you've had all these great jobs and you're still hustling. You're not, you're not slowing down at all, Ross. You're still going for it. And I love that about you. You were doing Northridge games on the radio here for a while. Uh, I, I just, I love the work ethic, Ross. What, why, why the work ethic? Why you don't want to slow down at all. You want to keep going, huh? 
<laughs> well, I just love what I do. And you, you know, the saying, I, why are they paying me for this? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. uh, because you, if you love what you do, you just do it and you do it with, uh, with nothing in mind, except the enjoyment of doing it. And that's, uh, that's still true for me, Ben, and I'm still going at it. That's awesome. And any advice for us you want to give there might be a kid listening to this that wants to follow in your footsteps someday and be a big league play-by-play guy. Any tips you picked up through your career all these years doing these different jobs? Well, you know, I'm asked by youngsters over the years, what do I do to get started? I said, you go to Shawnee, Oklahoma and try to get on the radio station and do the high school football <laughs> basketball. Because I don't believe that I don't believe that AM five seventy in Los Angeles is going to hire you immediately to do any, uh, any sports, uh, play by play. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably, probably not these days, but, uh, Ross, I thank you for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. As I said, back, back in the day, you helped me out. I was a young guy and I love that you're still doing it. And I will, I subscribe to your YouTube channel, Ross. So I, I'm going to get all your content on there and I will check out your, your other website as well. So thanks for coming. On. I appreciate it. Man, I'm very proud of you, my man. And uh, it's a pleasure to do this. Give me a ring. Absolutely. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip For you and a friend, including travel and stays at any Graduate Hotels location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 